You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You're supposed to have like a vet appointment because we're going to record in the morning this week. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I just come over later. And you're like, okay, late morning. And I, and, and you ring my, you're ringing my doorbell at 930. It's, it's summer vacation, man. I'm sleeping in. Listen, 930 is late morning for me, dude. <laughs> that's, I got, that's I no got joke. three kids off on summer vacation, man. Nobody gets moving around here at that, until later hey, on. Hey, man. Hey, man. 930, dude. a teenager. She don't come out. She don't come walking out until 10. You surprised the whole house this morning. Sorry. And that's why I'm doing the show naked. Welcome to Sacks of the Basement. This is my buddy Dave. We grew up across the street from each other. We like to uh, talk some White Sox, too. And it has been very interesting this week. This is two weeks in a row where, like, you know, you 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 got angry, disgruntled Dave for a long time. This is two weeks in a row where I'm actually pretty satisfied at, at the goings-on in, in, you know, the White Sox organization. Even though it was a split, good series, I thought, with the Yankees. Oh, remember, I was like, we're going to get crushed. All we have is Giolito Day, and we somehow pull out two wins instead of one. I think if... We know the Lopez looks like he's headed for the bullpen eventually, or fifth starter at best the way he pitches, but... If, if Ronaldo Lopez was either A, competent, or B, had a competent <laughs> catcher, because I wanted to talk about that, um, you know you may have a chance of winning that third game and then taking three out of four from the Yankees. But as it turns out, Ronaldo Lopez is, we don't know what's going on with it. Well, I have an idea what's going on with him. There's an insistence upon having Wellington Castillo catch him. Right, and I don't understand. And, and somehow I, James I, McCann is an all-star candidate that, I mean, I'm reading national stories. I mean, this is a great thing. Ken Rosenthal was right, wrote a story, and there were a couple other national reporters that wrote stories that are talking about the incredible framing capability of James, James McCann, McCann, yeah. The defensive capability of James McCann and how he was always really good at that and benefits pitchers. But now the hitting thing has clicked for him. And that means everybody from coast to coast knows not only is he a, d- a good defensive catcher, but, but he, he can benefits hit. the pitcher. And yet and for some hit. reason, we keep putting Castillo as like the automatic catcher for Reynaldo Lopez, and it isn't working. No, 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 no. Here's the thing: I don't know if this is just I don't I don't know if this is smoke or whatever. But Jason Benetti and Steve Stone were saying we're talking about that, and they gave the impression that it was Ronaldo Lopez himself that wants Wellington as his well, catcher. Guess what? You that makes no sense. Yeah, you can't be the worst starting pitcher on the team that's actually got qualifying starts. That okay, and then decide who your catcher is going to be. Like if it benefits you, that's great. But if you're having like the crappiest season of your life, you don't get to decide who your catcher is going to be. You go, hey kid, this is your catcher today. I don't like that catcher. Tough. You want to go back to AAA? I don't understand the Renteria and and apparent Ronaldo Lopez love for Castillo. Well, here's but the there's good news about this yes. because Chris Zach Collins is Zach Collins is here. Here's the thing: Wellington Castillo is now in this platoon with uh, Yonder Alonso, and it has gone fairly okay. Let's not let's not pretend that we have spectacular hitters in the bottom part of our lineup. No, you we're don't. We're like a little league. We're like a little league 
baseball or softball team. Where your top five or six is super heavy, and then your bottom three are eh. Here's here's my thing. You can platoon Castillo and Alonzo if you want to play lefty-righty. That's fine. Just please, for the love of God, stop putting them out there together because it is a no, detriment to your team. No, and they haven't done that. They haven't done that. Which is good. Somebody woke up and decided we're going to we're gonna actually play baseball. But I'm totally fine with it. I'm happy with the lineups. Uh, I'm happy with the fact that McCann is clearly now the four hitter. We yelled about that for months, and then all of a sudden it happened. Uh, Jimenez has moved up to the five spot. He he's thriving there. Oh my he's god! Did move. you see? Did you see the? Did you see the oh, man yeah. crush? He, saw did? It. he hit a man crush, and now I have a man crush on him. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Let's talk Zach Collins. Yes, please, and thank you. Okay, Zach Collins up. He hit 250 only in AAA. But he's got the OPS. Right, he's got super high slugging Of numbers. a guy that comes up and slugs and gets on base. Yeah, I mean, so, it was almost 500 slugging, yeah, what James, I saw. James Fox has explained this to us in previous episodes when he's come and talked to us about Zach Collins, that he's going to drive some White Sox fans nuts because he's not going to come up and hit for a high average. But he's going to have big pop, and he's still going to get on base. He's going to get. He's going to draw walks to go along with the fact that he doesn't get a lot of regular hits, and he's just going to be driving the ball. It's going to be extra base hits, big hits, stuff like that. He's never, I don't think, ever meant to be a middle-of-the-order guy. We've been watching guys like Yuan Moncada, potential to be a guy who could be middle-of-the-order who's going to be up towards the top of your lineup. Tim Anderson, potential to be a guy who's middle-of-the-order who's going to be up towards the top of your lineup. Aloy Jimenez, definitely a middle-of-the-order kind of guy. See what I'm saying? Those are the guys that have been arriving. There are other guys that are not going to be that that you need to have on your team if you're building. He's the kind of guy that's going to come up and bring in some pop, and he doesn't necessarily have to be a catcher long-term. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays and how he hits when he gets up here. There was a really interesting article that kind of goes along with what we're talking about with Collins here because we got to talk about you know, what is his role? Ken Rosenthal sent out like a little video where he broke down this week different possibilities for teams that could be making trades. And one of the most interesting things he said was that teams may come calling for James McCann, but the White Sox seem inclined to keep him, sign him, hold him long-term, and now make him part of this core because he's only 28 years old. And he's earned it. And I think he's earned it. We've said, I like. I would like to see them do that. This is a surprise. Be happy with the surprise. Sometimes you need something like this. This is a surprise. So Collins may never be the number one catcher or may not be the number one catcher for years here. See what I'm saying? But he could be a guy that spells McCann, does what Castillo's doing right now, but does it more effectively. Spells McCann and goes into the DH role on the days where he's not spelling McCann. Correct. That's what he's going to be now. That's I mean, and then everyone's walking go stand at no, first I was base. Say, does he see time at first well, base he, to spell he did, Abreu? He did go. He did go and play at first base this year. Okay. I mean, he's six foot three. He's a big guy. He can stand at first base. He's a big target. Okay. And he has played games at first base, so he has that potential to play first base. He can play. He's going to DH and he's going to spell in a catcher. He's got really three different roles that he can be used in. Again, though, here's a guy that's got it's very versatile, which is what general managers love. But you want to have a manager that understands that versatility. 
And that's that, mm. again, more and more we're going to see. You could put this guy here, here, and here. What are you going to do, Ricky? And is Ricky just going to stick the guy into one role? Is Ricky not going to use the full potential of the player? And that's the thing that the upper management will look at if he can't do it. Now, maybe he can, maybe he can't, but this is yet another guy that could be put in different places, moved around your lineup, and 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 stuck in, in, in different roles Ultimately. depending on what's needed. But you still got to get him at bats. That's the thing. So he's got to be batting. So you're going to have to sit up Brayu once a week so the kid gets in a bat at first base. You're going to have to give him three or four games at DH. You're going to have to give him a game or two at catcher. I'm pretty for sure that... I'm pretty for sure that Han is going to kind of be sending not lineups per se down to Renteria, well, he but I'm, he I'm, doesn't do that. But in but front listen, of Renteria, he, he say, said that he didn't do that. But on MLB network, he, he said that he did. He did yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that when you have a prospect uh, as important as Zach Collins, you're going to be like, look, dude, Ricky, I want him to see you know, X amount of at bats at first base. I want him to see X amount of bats at catch. I want him to see X amount of the, at, at, at uh, DH, you know, this is what I want. And ultimately, you know, Han is the boss. So, I mean, right. If, you if, know, they, bring up, are, if they bring up this kid and he's barely playing, you're just like, okay, well, there's a real problem in the front office and there's, and this could come to a head at some point. But I think he will play. I think he's going to move around. No, you don't bring him up to no. not play him. No, I got Savala, Savala. Listen, let me tell you something. Zebby Zavala, when he came up, you know what he looked like to me? Looked like the kind of guy that, you know, you bring up when your catcher's injured. Like, he kind of sits in AAA, but he's around for when you need to bring up a guy for three weeks because your catcher's injured to be the backup catcher. See what I'm saying? Right. Like, he doesn't look to me like he's a future star. No. He looks like a very capable player. I mean, is he a capable MLB player? Yeah, probably. Sure. But I just don't see him. He's not going to, like, force himself into this situation. When you now, now with McCann here and Collins coming Zebby Zavala is like the odd man out. And and that's that's fine. Okay. But I mean, maybe he gets included in a package. I keep saying you got a couple of guys that you might not need anymore or mm-hmm. that that aren't going to be on your timeline. You can trade a, a prospect or two to go out and get pitching. You can be active at the trade deadline, which Han said we may be buyers. Hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement. And you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the broadcast basement with Chris for 10 years and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the broadcast basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com. Mike Huff is on the line with me. If you don't remember, Mike played for the White Sox in the back half of the 91 season, 92. And in 1993, when I'm sitting out there in right field with my father for the clinching of the 1993 AL Western Division Championship. And that was the first time I ever saw like the White Sox win something big. I was I, I was a kid in 83 that was just too young to enjoy it, Mike. You you brought joy to my childhood. I just want you to know that. Well, I'll tell you what, the White Sox brought a lot of joy to my childhood. When I moved here uh, with my family sort of in the, uh, the 70s, I was there for the Hitmen, and then that 83 team, I was in college and just was in awe of the power because I was this little punch-and-judy, fast little white guy that could run down pitchers mistakes but to see those guys and all of those guys just mash the baseball was an awful lot of fun you were a 16th round pick out of evanston and you know we just had the draft 
And one of the, you know, we'll get guys that come on, they talk about the draft and they're like, okay, well, these guys in these early rounds, that's really who matters. And these college guys that get drafted later on, they got a, they got like a, a snowball's chance of making it to the majors, but you did make it to the majors. How does that come about? You got a lot of guys that are in the White Sox organization right now, and they get discounted immediately by the people that sit down and look at the draft because, well, he's a college guy and he got drafted after round 10. You were a 16th round pick. How did it happen? Yeah, I think part of it was going to Northwestern University and having a little bit of a balance, not just baseball, 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 but clearly when you go to Northwestern, you're not really even assuming you're going to play a professional sport. You're kind of preparing for life after. So that gave me a great um, calm and demeanor uh, as I was on the field, whether it was rookie ball, A ball, double A or triple A. But I think you're right, Chris. Once you get below that fifth, tenth round, what every player in that situation has to do is say, how do I make sure I have success this year? And for me, it was hitting over 300. It was stealing 35 bases. It was playing a really good defense. And guarantee every year that I did that in the winter meetings, they would come across my name, whether it was rookie A, double A, and say, okay, is this guy a prospect? And everyone's like, not really. And it's like, all right, well, do we release this guy? And it's like, no, he's pretty good. And it's like, all right, well, do we leave him where he's at? And it's like, no, 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 move him up a level. And so for those players, whether you're a pitcher or whether you're a positional player, it's trying to be consistent. It's trying to make sure that you do it every year because you have to perform every year or else, you know, again, there's another 40 guys that are drafted. Now, you're working with the White Sox now. You do White Sox youth camps. And yep, yep. That's, that's perfect because it sounds to me like you've got a very well-rounded view of, you know, it doesn't matter if this guy's the star or somebody else, you know, if they keep plugging at it. They still have an opportunity. Is that the same thing as those? Uh, I, I know they don't. They split it up now. It's not Bull Sox Academy. They kind of split it. Is that the same thing, or is this like a summer camp? Kind of explain to anybody what this is. No, 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 no. It's exactly the same thing. It's just um, as I took over as president about a year and a half ago, I said to Mr. Reinstorf that you know here's in my mind's eye how you write size this ship. You've been doing this for literally 25, 30 years, and it's had a great run. But because of this travel phenomenon, I don't think the best thing for what you're trying to do in reaching the kids is to have us out in Lyle and have us doing things and reaching back to the organizations. I think you should take all the basketball people, move them underneath the Bulls, have all the baseball, softball people, move them underneath the White Sox, and you still have the facility and call the facility like the United Center that they do these wonderful field trips. They talk about nutrition and wellness. They have birthday parties. They have lock-ins. They have overnights. So, you know, United Center has concerts. It has circuses. It has things like that. So consider the facility like United Center, but truly the White Sox do 15 things for kids, of which we're one of them. Let the White Sox marketing department look at this tremendous asset and the tremendous people you have, just like the Bulls, and say, here's how we use those coaches. Here's how we use the reach that we have built to this point and use that facility, you know, in the best way to get our branding and our message out. I actually had my daughter, she went to the one in Lyle for a couple of off okay. seasons and she would go and she'd work on hitting and she did a pitching thing when she was thinking about becoming a pitcher because she's playing fast pitch softball. And I loved it. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I felt like she got great instruction when she was there, but I also would look at like, okay, well, I, I get her involved in the other things, but man, it's, it gets costly. What, what makes somebody go, I want to do it other than the fact they just want to be part of the White Sox. Like what? What would you say if your pitch was 
to bring people to say, if I'm going to go do travel or if I'm going to do instruction, I want to do it with the White Sox and with this this youth sports program over something else that might be fly, flying around the city on one end of it to the other. Well, I, I would first and foremost say you have people like Mike Huff who played professionally, Dan Pasqua who played professionally, Jim Adusi who played professionally, Kathy Young who is a college Hall of Fame player, college coach that's running the fast pitch. I'm sure Kathy was there with your daughter doing the hitting. Yes, she was. Uh, and the pitching. So you have experienced people that talk to and work with a professional organization that cares about the kids, that wants what's best for these kids, not necessarily how do I put a buck in my pocket or how do I keep the lights on. So first and foremost, you're going to have a set of instructors that put the kids first. And we are going to be the first ones to say multi-sports, not just one. Any parent that walks in and says, well, I'm ready to do softball 12 months a year, we're going to say, well, we're not. So if that's what you want, we're not the right place for you because your daughter needs some time off. You need some family vacation. She needs to do well in school. We had two girls on our fast pitch travel teams that got perfect scores on their SATs. I mean, those are the types of things that the White Sox espouse as an organization, and we, as an extension of them, continue to pursue. My daughter, who's my oldest, plays fast pitch softball, and there was a time when we went back and forth on do we do the twelve year, the twelve months a year thing? Do you think nope. that the travel leagues and the pressure put on kids, like I want to get them a scholarship, I want to, I want to, I want to get them into the best school? They, they, people like invest so much time and money in it and then dropped it on the kids. I, I think I already know your answer. Do you think that that becomes too much and it's a bad thing? Oh yes, I, I definitely think it's a bad thing. And and when we talk to college coaches or we talk to scouts. They pick up on that. And again, they're looking for athletes. They're looking for the good kid because everyone seems now because of all these private lessons and all these, again, someone can open a facility in a, in a warehouse that kids are, are taking lessons so their swings look good, but they don't have any type of baseball IQ. They, they don't have a feel or love of the game. They, they all look very sterile. And all the college coaches that we talk to continue to say, you know, point out the one or two kids, help me find the one or two that play multiple sports that are athletes that look like they enjoy and want to be out here, not just they have to be out here. I, I want to ask you real quick, because it's something we've talked about here on the show. We've been trying to figure out this whole thing where these these young pitchers end up with Tommy John now all the time. And I, I've mm-hmm. read different articles on it, and I've I've seen guys come on and, and talk on sports talk shows. And one of the floating theories that are out there is it is the 12 months a year. It is making the kid pitch many different pitches instead of just focusing on the you know basic arm motion. It is overusing them at a young age because they're trying to get them to this next level, and they're burned out quicker when they get to the pros. Is there a concern in your program where you guys are like, we're not overdoing it with these pitchers. Oh, I mean, that's first and foremost. So I, I know we don't overdo our pitchers. I know we give our pitchers time off. I know we shut them down for months over the course of the off season and encourage, which most of our kids do um, play either something in the fall or something in the winter. Um, yeah, and I will tell you, there's a little bit of frustration sometimes where, you know, we're doing a practice in February and we're like, oh my gosh, we're missing like six guys. It would be really nice if we had those six here to run a full practice, but we know they're all playing basketball. So that thought goes by very quickly. To your point about the arms, though, I, I think 
from my perspective, my two cents is that too many parents get infatuated with the velocity. Too many parents hear a college scout or hear about if this kid can touch 80 on the gun or 85 on the gun or 90 on the gun, you know, depending on how old they are, that they start to tell the kids and start to teach them and try to build their body so that they're just throwing harder. And again, back when I played, like you said, late 80s through mid 90s, you know, this guy, Greg Maddox, pretty good pitcher. You know what? He threw in the low 90s like four or five times a game. But he threw kind of at 88 to 90, maybe 91, and he was hitting a spot low and out, up and in, low and in, up and away with multiple pitches. And then third time through the lineup, if a couple guys got a hit or a hit and a walk and, you know, it's two outs, then guess what? Then he threw at 93. Then he threw at 94, but he wasn't trying to throw 93 every, every, every pitch. And I think when kids start to get infatuated at at a younger age, even if they don't throw a curveball as much, if they're trying to max velocity every pitch instead of learning how to pitch and work in, out, high, low, that's where I think you get that repetition and the strain on the elbow that all of a sudden they go to college or get drafted and boom, immediately there's Tommy John. Is the best place to check out more about this on the White Sox homepage at WhiteSox.com or is there there a better spot? Yes, it's WhiteSox.com slash play. It's it's so simple. It's so easy. It's so fun, too, because once you go to that WhiteSox.com slash play, you will see, hey, here's the camps that we're running, whether it's travel and that elite, whether it's private lessons, whether it's just the youth camps and here's team trainings. You click one of those boxes and it'll take you right to one of us that you can email, ask a question or register your kids for a camp. Well, you know, Mike, I never got this opportunity, so uh, I'll be there later on this summer. I'm 42, but I'm a young 42 and uh, maybe I Perfect. still got a, maybe I still got a chance. Arms. You guys can work Perfect. on we me a little bit. Right yeah, now. you can work on me. Maybe I can maybe I could find a way onto a team somewhere. That'd be great. Well, we have one right here, guaranteed <laughs> right field that needs a couple of arms. So that's for sure. I look forward to seeing if you can hit your spots. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mike. No problem, Chris. Take care. Why wouldn't you be buyers right now? I mean, you have pretty much four good teams in the AL. It's so top-heavy. I mean, you have the Yankees, you have the Rays, you have uh, the Minnesota Twins, and then you have the Astros. And then everybody else is just kind of, you know, middling around 500 and is going to eventually be fighting it out for that second wild card spot. Well, I don't want the wild card spot, and I'm not interested in it. I don't think we're going to get it. No, But but, I'm saying be a buyer so that you're building your team for next year. That's what I'm saying. Right. You need a pitcher. There's going to be one floating out there where some team's going to be trying to jettison a very good pitcher that you could you could add to your lineup next year. Because guess what? Even if Kopech comes back and he's raring to go and he's everything that you want him to be. Same and with even if Cease, Cease comes, comes up, up and he's everything you want him to be, they're probably on pitch counts next year. One's coming off of Tommy John. The other one's pitching his first full season in the majors right and you got and, and you're not going to have Ro, and you're not going to have Rodon next year no he's coming and, at the very end of the year and, and, and you don't know what he's going to be. be and Ronaldo Lopez is just we don't, we don't know what's going on yeah, with him. until they figure out a so, way to fix him like that like Giolito got fixed the, the, you can't yes, rely on him you are you going you are year. go you are going to have to go out and get pitching right like, and and look here I go again Reinsdorf is just going to have to suck it up and deal with that fact that you're going to have to dole out big money. No, to a see, but here's the thing: you don't, you and I are of different 
different takes on this. Okay. You think that this is solely based upon whether or not Jerry Reinsdorf opens up his wallet. My feeling is that after what happened in the offseason happened, Rick Hahn, if he really wants to win, and if he really doesn't want to be the fall guy here when Jerry and Kenny get together a couple of years from now and say this didn't work, it's time to jettison Rick. If Rick Hahn's smart, he makes trades for the pitchers that he needs because there's no way this team is going to go out and outbid the Yankees for Garrett Cole. See what I'm saying? Right. Like the, so he makes deals for guys with next year in mind. Even with the fact that he's got, well, I don't know. I mean, I like Jose Urania, but I mean, like now he's got like a herniated disc. You don't know if that'll ever get any better. He's a pitcher. I don't, I don't know what, how that works with pitching. It's, so now, now maybe you'd say, okay, I'm not interested in him. But when the Arizona Diamondbacks decided they're dealing Zach Greinke, I don't care how old Zach Greinke is. I guarantee he comes out next year and he pitches well for you. And if you don't have to give up that much for him, because, I mean, if you're, you're going to give up something for him, but there are pitchers out there that you can give up things for. I mean, of course, you're not giving up Nick Madrigal. You're not giving up Lewis Robert. See what I'm saying? But no. There, there are enough mid-level guys that you might sit there and say, okay, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up Zebby Zavala, and I'm going to give up Blake Rutherford. Maybe give up a draft pick. Right, and, and, and I'm going to do yeah. something. Yeah, I'm going to throw something together, and I'm going to pick up, and I'm going to send these guys to a team to pick up a guy that I can use for a couple of years because I need to fill in that role. Because guess what? The hitting's here. We have no pitching, and look at this team hovering around 500, based purely on their hitting ability, yeah, and the I fact know. that they have a very, just... and the fact they have a really nice closer in the back. And 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 another thing that Rosenzal said in his report was he didn't think that the White Sox were going to even trade Colome or Abreu or Herrera. So no, two of those guys why, are your no. back end bullpen yeah, guys. Right. So why would the, you? That means the White Sox are saying 2020 is when the window opens. So if 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 they don't do that. If Ken Rosenthal, national reporter for MLB Network and The Athletic, if what he's reporting about how the Sox are feeling right now, thinking about the trade deadline, that could change. If that's what they're saying, that means internally the belief is we have hitting. We have more hitting coming. We got Robert. We got Madrigal coming. And now Collins is up. And and, and this kid that we the, drafted. The, uh, the draft pick, right, yeah. The, from Cal. I mean, he's he's coming. And we're going we're gonna to bring these guys all together in 2020. Because that kid's going to come about halfway up through the year. James Fox said that last week. So that's, we're gonna, that's a li- that's a lineup, dude. We're bringing in that all is this a, hitting, and, and that we is might a lineup. A, we might need to go get like a right fielder, like in free agency. It might be like we're going to go out and we're going to find get ourselves a guy, just, yeah, get a get guy. a guy, you know. Right. And and so that might be like the the play here. So, if you don't if you don't put if you decide that yes if you if you decide that Leary Garcia is your Swiss Army knife well he has to be yeah, yeah I don't think he starts in right field okay well then no. there you go then you got to get yeah you're gonna need a right fielder no I mean this, because the only other prospects that you could sorry to cut you off but the only other prospects that whose names have been thrown around that you could put out there would be like Basabe or Rutherford and neither of them are really there's a lot of choices that have to be made and you know that that's the fun of this thing because there's probably a hundred different opinions. From a hundred different fans. If we talk to a hundred different fans right now, listen to the show, they all have a hundred different opinions on this thing. But the point is, what I'm trying to get to is that it's clear that there's at least a belief that the White Sox aren't even ready to move on from back-end closers. Now, whether you agree with that or not, that means the White Sox believe 2020 is a contention year. If it's a contention year, and Hans mentioning we might be buyers then there is the possibility that this team goes out and grabs somebody here at the deadline for next year. I love Freddie Garcia in 2004. Uh, right. Okay. And that this team is a little active in the offseason and builds up around what's going to be coming. And they're the young 
2000, what was a year before the Cubs won the World Series? 2015 Cubs? Yeah. You know? They're the Astros the year before the Astros, well, really. I mean, they're they're El Tuve when he's 24 years old. And, and, and it was like, this team's talented. They're going to get beat in the playoffs, but they're going to make a surprising run and make it to the postseason, and it's going to be excitement on the south side. I think this meat grinder that they're going to be going through the next month or so on the schedule is going to determine that because... But it should go. But, but here's the thing. But it should go. But they go through this. Here's Let me finish on this. They go through this meat grinder, all right? You've already split with the Yankees. Awesome, right? You know, if they go through this thing and they're, you know, if they go through this and they're 500 or better, well, not, they won't be better, but if they're like right around, they're going to get crushed in this, but if they're right around, yeah, but you said they were going to get crushed by the Yankees and they didn't, if they get through this thing without (laughs) getting totally destroyed. So you've gone through the Rangers, you've gone through the Red Sox, you've gone through the Cubs, you've gone through, uh, the series with the twins and you're still right around 500, maybe a couple of games under. Then you can look at the trade deadline and be like, yes, you know what? We're not as we're not that far off. Let's go be buyers. I you're right. It shouldn't determine that. They should probably go be buyers anyway. But I think doesn't that at least help? You know, doesn't it's 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 a nice litmus test. I mean, right? I guess it is. It's a nice litmus. I don't think it should make a difference. I think even if you have a rough time in the meat grinder, that you're still looking at 2020. You still make the moves you would have made one way or another, but who knows? I mean, look, this is this is fun. They have many more people that are watching the White Sox. The ratings are up. There's more people at the ballpark. People are paying attention. Hey, our ratings are up. Okay, <laughs> I mean, there's more people that are paying attention. I mean, I could even see it. It's an exciting time to be a White Sox fan. And it, it was remember we get we got punched in the gut in the off season, but now you see Jimenez playing well. Oh, and you you see Moncada and you see these guys and they're playing. Now Collins is arriving. We're waiting on Cease and Robert is just like always like the player of the month from whatever level he's at in the minor leagues. And Nick Madrigal is just killing it in Double A. I mean, there's there's so many things to be excited about. I think we're going to start to see now some movement towards what's going to happen next year, which is probably why you see your Yonder Alonso. Splitting time with your Wellington Castillo. Before we get out of here. Okay. Real quick blurb. Yolbert Sanchez. You know who this man is? I do not know Yolbert Sanchez. Yolbert Sanchez is the number four international prospect. I was going to say, is he related to Yolmer no, Sanchez? No, but we're going to do is what we, what we, when we get rid of Yolmer. This is the guy who will probably kick Yolmer off the team one We're day. going from Yolmer to Yolbert. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so Yolbert Sanchez, number four prospect out of, and he's out of Cuba. So... He had the opportunity to sign just this entire international signing period that was going on that ended just a few days ago. Oh, I heard about this. Okay. okay. And he didn't. And the rumor is that he's been waiting for the White Sox to get their international signing penalty taken away from them because they were penalized for what they did to get Lewis Robert. Right. And he wants to come play with Robert and Abreu and Mancata in Chicago. Okay. So the first date he can sign is July the 2nd. He's already old enough. I think he's like 22 years old or something like that. So he qualifies. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's a guy that would be quick through the minors and up into the majors. The thing on him is most likely defensively, he's like a gold glove. I'm sorry. What position is he? Short second Short base. Short second base. Okay. So now some people sit there and say, whoa, 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 where are we going to have room? Listen, it's a good problem to have. Here's what we do. Here's it's what a good we do. problem Chris, to have. Chris, here's what we do. I've got this plan. All right. We somehow get it 
to where we get Yomer Sanchez and Yolbert Sanchez on the roster at the same time. And then we <laughs> we we go to some stupid GM, right? right. And we say, hey, we're going to give you Y Sanchez for such and such and such and such. <laughs> and instead of giving them Yolbert Sanchez, we give them Yolmer yeah, the Sanchez. The only guy that, that would work out is Kenny, Kenny Williams. Williams because it actually Because Kenny Williams actually <laughs> fell for that. Good job, dumbass. It's like, I love how you waited till the very end of the show, and you're like, and I'm going to rip Kenny. End the show. <laughs> Always. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. New Year's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the New Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Back in the basement. What's up? Back for 500. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to eat some crow here a little bit. Uh, I was the caller, Jorge Mata from Lake in the Hills. Uh, we were kind of, you know, chirping at uh, Han when he said he firmly believes this team is now where it's supposed to be at and that uh, the record should be better. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm going to kind of agree with him on that. If we would have had maybe three more Lucas Giolitos, even uh, four more, half of what Giolito is, I think uh, the record could be better. You know what? I'm going to eat crow, and I know there's a lot of Sox fans out there that uh, probably may or may not agree with that, but I'm going to go on out on a limb and say they will agree with that. Go Sox. Go Giolito. Let's get 83 wins this year. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.